0: Educating by sharing our From the Trenches preservation knowledge and our guests' expertise. Balancing modern needs while maintaining the historical significance, character, and beauty of your period home.
1: Today on the Practical Preservation Podcast, we have Matt Fisher from the Reading Blue Mountain and Northern Railroad. Thank you for joining me today. You're welcome. So tell me a little bit about your background.
2: Well, uh, I've been working for the Reading and Northern Railroad for 16 years now uh, in the passenger department. Uh, The Reading and Northern Railroad's passenger department now has uh, been around for over 35 years. I'm uh, basically uh, between the 50, 60 some employees in the middle of uh, the seniority list. If you would look at that, there's a lot of people that have been around for even more time here at the Reading Northern. Uh, I started off as a car host on the Lehigh Gorge Scenic Railway, which was part of the Redding and Northern Railroad at the time up in Jim Thorpe in 2005. And I became a conductor, narrator, ticket agent, and then eventually started working for the Redding Northern Railroad in the passenger department full time. Uh, about six years ago, did at first marketing public relations for the passenger department. And for the last five years now, I've been the general manager of the passenger department here at the railroad.
1: That's um, you've kind of got to try out everything before you started working as 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 the manager. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I yeah.
2: did almost all the different jobs. I'm not qualified to be an engineer yet, but <laughs> I hope to get the engineer license here soon. <laughs>
1: so, what what drew you into trains, or?
2: Well, I think that people are sometimes born with this hobby. I know uh, it w- w- definitely ran on my uh, father's side of the family. I have uh, a cousin that uh, likes trains. Um, my dad uh, used to collect trains as a, a young uh, man and as a boy with his father. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, at first I started uh, with a uh, O scale set in uh, my uh, basement and uh, enjoy going out and seeing the rail trains, and then eventually go to different train shows and different railroads uh, to ride different trains. Uh, I rode the Running Northern Railroad, which at the time was called the Blue Mountain Running Railroad okay. in the 80s, um, and rode on a lot of the trains that I now manage today.
1: Oh, very, very cool. And um, I'm just kind of curious, the. Does this, does the, does the, do the passenger trains still go into Reading or no? Is it just called that? The,
2: the passenger trains start in Muhlenberg Township, okay. just north of Reading yes. at uh, the uh, intersections of uh, Route 61 and Bellevue Avenue. Um, that's where the new Reading Outer Station is located. Mm-hmm. And it's basically a nod to the original Reading Outer Station that was built in the 1870s, okay. which was in downtown Reading.
1: We, um, Probably oh, it's almost ten years ago now. We helped restore the uh, uh, Franklin Street Station. Oh Redding. great, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, but I I don't think there's a train that goes past Correct. there now anymore. There
2: yeah. there are freight trains go by there. That's now Norfolk Southern Railroad. Okay. it's not the Reading Northern Railroad right. at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but again, Franklin Street is less than a mile away from where the outer station Your outer is stations. Okay. on the Reading yeah. Northern Railroad. Yeah. Um, that's basically the southern tip of the Reading and Northern Railroad, which mm-hmm. is over 300 miles. Oh my goodness. Uh, primarily freight. Uh, that's where the most of the business is done on the freight end of the mm-hmm. railroad. Right. Uh But again, the Reading Northern is unique for having its own uh, passenger department uh, that offers day trips, uh, and then the tourist port- uh, portion, uh, which is uh, basically related to Jim Thorpe. Mm-hmm. With the Lehigh Gorge uh, right. scenic train trips into the yeah. Lehigh Gorge State Park, yeah,
1: and that that kind of leads me into my next question. So tell me, tell yeah. me about the the Reading Blue Mountain and Northern Railroad, the history, you know, some of that. Sure, yeah. uh,
2: the Reading Blue Mountain uh, and uh, Northern. Uh, it's also known as the Reading and Northern Railroad. Okay. it's almost like the Atchinson uh, Topeka and Santa Fe. Most people would say it's Santa Fe. It's the same right. railroad. Right. Um, so the Reading Northern Railroad has been owned uh, by Andy Muller Jr. Um, He's the founder and owner of the railroad. Um, like I said briefly, uh, it started as the Blue Mountain Running, uh in 1983 uh, between Temple and South Hamburg, Pennsylvania. Um, uh, there were a couple of uh, freight customers uh, that uh, were originally served. And then Mr. Muller got into the passenger business uh, by 1985. It's been our 35th year in passenger. Um, by 1990, uh, the uh, what's known as the Reading Cluster became available. Conrail owned it. Uh, Mr. Muller went to Conrail and was successful in buying it. And the Reading Cluster went from Reading, Pennsylvania, on the former Reading Railroad the uh, west side of the Schuylkill River going through Hamburg and pretty much all the railroad uh, assets in Schuylkill County were part of the Reading cluster going towards Northumberland, Mount Carmel area. In 1996, uh, the Reading Northern purchased the the Lehigh uh, side of the railroad from Lehighton, Jim Thorpe up through the Lehigh Gorge into the Wilkes-Barre, Pittston, Scranton area to a place called Mahupany. There's a big uh, paper uh, company, uh, Procter and Gamble, is mm-hmm. located up there. A big customer of ours. So the railroad basically goes from uh, Reading to um, the P plant up in Hoopany. And in the years since, we've also purchased uh, different things. Uh, one of the highlights was a few years ago, the Humboldt Industrial Park uh, railroad trackage which is just west of Hazelton on the I-80 corridor, 81 corridor. Um, And uh, we are always uh, growing here. Um, And the passenger department grew from being just those uh, few miles from Temple to um, South Hamburg. And eventually, by 2005, uh, Mr. Muller created uh, the Lehigh Gorge Scenic Railway in Jim Thorpe. And uh, the Lehigh Gorge Sink Railway ran through last year, 2019. Uh, we pulled briefly out of Jim Thorpe and came back as the Reading Northern passenger. Then mm-hmm. this year, August 14th, we started running trains again in Jim Thorpe. Oh, did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we also do uh, have trains not only in Jim Thorpe, but we have all-day trips going from the Reading Outer Station uh, to Jim Thorpe. Sometimes we do charter trains from the northern part of the railroad, uh, the Tunkhannock, Mountaintop, Duryea, Pittston areas.
1: Yeah, I was looking at some of your um, historic passenger cars on on the um, on the website yesterday when I was prepping, and I saw that you had some. um, I think they were the Pullman um, that had like the the glass on top. Oh yes. And were and I did I see that those were like for for. Uh, not, I don't know if it was for charter, but that, like for, that somebody could rent it for a private excursion.
2: Yeah, the yeah. interesting thing yeah. is we can do charter trains. Mm-hmm. We do charters sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, however, a lot of times we'll add some of those cars that are considered our private car, fleet. Okay. Uh, sometimes we'll add those cars uh, on the back end of a general public train. Yes. For example, in October, we did two trains from running our station to Jim Thorpe, and there was one Pullman car that actually has individual rooms. Yes, yeah. And then there's the dome car which we were mentioning yeah. with the glass top. Yeah. Uh that's a full dome car. And that was available as well. Actually the dome car right now for the Santa trains uh out of rain outer station has the dome car on as well and it's only twenty five dollars per person. So uh there's a big difference when it comes to the different uh, uh trips we offer mm-hmm. uh for the territory the amount of time uh for example the Santa train it's twenty five dollars uh, per ticket. Uh, it's a 70-minute trip. Uh, a lot of times the Dome car is priced near $200 for an all-day trip if it's right. going towards Jim Thorpe. And
1: Especially your... during the fall foliage. Exactly. Yes. Yes. yes, yeah, that makes sense to me. So uh, tell me a little bit about the the historic passenger cars. Did Were they, I, I'm assuming since you started, the passenger uh, line started in the mid-80s that you've had to acquire most of those from places or?
2: Yeah we we did uh, uh, get those cars from various locations. Mm -hmm. Out of the private car fleet we have a traditional Pullman which was built in the 1920s by the Pullman uh, company in Chicago. Um, That was set up for both day and nighttime running and it was built for the New Haven Railroad. Um, It has 10 individual rooms. It has a common area and it has a kitchen and a restroom area on that car. Um, the Pullman was the luxurious brand of the time. Um, that would be the first class type riding in the 19 teens all the way up through into the 1950s. Right. Um, the Pullman car uh, is set up for daytime use because we don't do any overnight trips yes. as of right now on the Riding Northern. And, um, We didn't do too much work to that. A lot of the Mm -hmm. original um, electrical, Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the original uh, uh, mechanical things of that car are pretty much still intact on that car. Um, You mentioned that we have a dome car as well. And the dome car was one of the first full dome cars built. And what I mean by there's full dome car, meaning the whole roof looks like it has glass on it. That's what would be considered a full dome and it was built for the Milwaukee Road. Uh, The Milwaukee Road had their dominance between Chicago, Wisconsin, into the Twin Cities, but Mm -hmm. they also had Transcontinental Line from Chicago all the way out to Washington State. Mm -hmm. And those cars, there's only a handful of those full dome cars built in the early 1950s for the Milwaukee. um, And that uh, went on their uh, Transcontinental train uh, over the Rockies mm-hmm. and it must have been beautiful views because oh, yes. when you're in that car, you look up and you can see everything around you. And I could only imagine taking it through the Rockies, yes. through Montana and places like that. that would be um, it has basically two layer uh, levels. It has the upper level that has 44 seats, very comfortable seats in the top, uh, again with the glass ceiling. And in the bottom uh, uh, level, uh, it has a full kitchen Uh, which we just spent a lot of money putting back the kitchen into that car. Um, And it also has a dining area where uh, there are several tables. It looks like you're in a diner from the 1950s Mm -hmm. era. Um, And there's a couple windows that you can gaze out at when you're eating food down the bottom level. So it's a great car to take a whole all day trip uh, over the railroad. Um, We also have self propelled rail diesel cars. And they're not part of our private cars, but they're uh, considered rail diesel cars. And they were uh, quite popular in the 1950s all the way through the 1980s for commuter service. Uh, the Reading Railroad before uh, the Reading Northern uh, used these cars between uh, various places on the Reading system. Uh, most people in the Schuylkill County area, which we were here in uh, the Schuylkill Haven Station, Uh, Many people here remember the RDC cars going from Pottsville down to Reading and Commuter Service. Uh, We have three of those RDCs and one of them is set up where it has a kitchen dining area. We have a snack counter. We serve snacks and sodas and drinks and there's also some seating there. And then the other two RDCs are full coaches and they seat about 88 to 90 people.
1: Oh, that's a lot of
2: people. <laughs> and a lot of people are interested in this, especially there's a lot of people anymore that don't know too much about trains. When we originally started running them uh, back in 2014, we reintroduced them in the service. We were starting to get some calls. People were saying, hey, those passenger cars ran away on you. <laughs> had to explain nicely that right. they're self-propelled. There's two Detroit diesel engines that yeah. are well over 300 horsepower underneath uh, the actual cars. And then the engineer stays in the vestibule area. And... They're very versatile because instead of having to use a turntable or totally why the train to to face it the other way, uh, the engineer just just takes a couple levers and then he'll go to the other end. (laughs) Yeah, he could reverse or he could just go to the other vestibule on the other end and change ends. Oh my goodness. Yeah. And then you're off to the races. So. That yeah.
1: makes it i'm sure much more efficient absolutely
2: yeah. it does and uh, when we have trains where we don't need a full train set for like six seven eight hundred people mm-hmm. when we only have 100 or 200 people it's very economical where we oh yeah have an engineer conductor maybe someone in the snack counter or a car host right. and we run those rdcs quite often from the Reading area to Jim thorpe um uh, through off seasons like in spring yeah. summer and winter uh during the fall we'll run a whole train Um, We also have um, a few other cars. We have what's called our parlor car, which is on display right now in Port Clinton, and it has 13 beautiful seats. Uh, We have a uh, tin roof on it, uh, beautiful carpeting. Um, It has two fireplace inserts on it. And basically, the owner's wife, uh, uh, Carol Muller, had an idea what she wanted to make as a car that's in the private consist. Okay. A lot of times Andy and Carol take their train out where it's just them or their family. Mm-hmm. And we call it an office car special. Okay. Sometimes the top brass the railroad will look the railroad over with these OCS trains. Sometimes we invite uh, freight customers. We have many freight customers oh, on yeah. the railroad mm-hmm. uh, for a day out on the railroad to uh, check the railroad out. And this parlor car uh, was pretty much in private service. Now and again, it's uh, open to the public. But again, it's a beautiful car where we took a picture of the interior of a Pullman car from the 1920s. We only had one picture to go on and we have fantastic employees, uh, over 200 employees. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have over 50 uh, part-time and full-time people in the passenger department alone. And we also have a lot of contractors that come in anywhere from HVAC, plumber. To people that uh, will uh, be basically focusing on steam locomotive repair, mm-hmm. uh, and we have all kinds of carpenters and electricians as well, and they come in and they'll do contract work for us. And we took one picture, and it was amazing. We got the interior of the car to look very similar to what a car similar oh, very, would have looked like yeah. in the 1920s. Yeah,
1: yeah that's that's really. Um... That's really fun. Do you um, do you do a lot of that work then in-house?
2: Yes, in-house? we do almost all the work in-house, at least when it comes to the restoration of the cars. Mm-hmm. Even when the cars need maintenance, like brake work, wheel work, uh, the trucks are what the wheels set on, mm-hmm. truck work. Um, we'll do all that stuff okay. in-house yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, that's,
1: that's really, I, and I think that's important too, because I think that training people to be able to do this work is is important we worked um probably about the same time we were working at franklin street we uh worked uh we redid the clear story windows at Steamtown at one of the one of locomotive machine shops Uh and um my husband commented that like all the people in there working were probably at least close to retirement age and he's like so who's going to keep doing this work you know and so it's i'm i'm glad to hear that you're you're doing you know, you do it in-house, so you have a, people trained to be able to do that. And it's generational,
2: yeah. because yeah. Uh, um, we went through... Originally, Mr. Muller had many people that worked from the Reading Railroad. They were hired on in the early 1900s. Right. They worked with steam in these passenger yeah. trains. They knew a lot when he was getting into the business in the early 1980s. Uh, obviously, all those person people have passed away right. since then. But it's generational, and there's some families that have... Been with us since the beginning. A lot of the people that were 18, 19 years older near retirement age right. already, yeah. and we're going on to the next generation after that. And it's something that, especially with our steam engine, it's just not. You're not going to find someone just down the street that has this knowledge. You're not going to get a lot of these parts, uh, obviously, off the shelves in stock somewhere. A lot of this, you actually got to machine yourself. Right. Same with the passenger equipment. It's much different than the uh, National Freight Network that these freight cars go. Right. A lot of the equipment Because
1: that's, sta- different. that's standardized. Yeah, like that. it,
2: absolutely. And um, so it takes a knack. It takes a lot of learning and patience. But uh, we do have a very strong team uh, around us to help us maintain and preserve this.
0: And I, I, I
2: do want to mention the uh, pride and joy of the railroad in uh, the private car fleet is car one. That's the Black Diamond. That was built for Jay Gould's daughter. Uh, Many, I'm sure of your listeners would know Jay Gould was a railroad tycoon in the 1800s and uh, known uh, for a lot of his competition uh, against the Vanderbilt's. Um, He uh, almost got a transcontinental railroad from uh, the Atlantic to the Pacific Oceans, but didn't in (laughs) uh, in, in his tenure. Um, And back in the 1800s, the Lear Jets, if you will, the time were these private cars Mm -hmm. and car one uh, has an observation area on the back. Um, Usually we put it on the back uh, end of the uh, office car specials or even the fall foliage trains you might see on the back end of that. It has a full kitchen. It has a full dining area. It has a porter room. Um, for when there would be a porter on right. the train at that time. It has three bedrooms, it has a shower, it has uh, two restrooms and it has a nice uh, area that's basically the parlor area that's attached to the back uh, platform. Um, Mr. Muller found that in the Wilkesbury area in the mid-1990s and bought it. Um, a lot of the original furnishings are the same or they were replaced by the best uh, craftsman of the time, Mm -hmm. and uh, the electrical is pretty much the same as it was when it got its update in the 1920s. Oh, goodness, yeah. Um, There's stained glass windows in it, um, and it was built all the way back in the late 1880s. Oh, that's very
1: cool.
2: So that by far is the oldest car in the fleet. It actually is wooden with um, an iron frame underneath it um which of course today everything else in our fleet is steel everything is steel in it right. but uh this car is still made in the wooden yeah. frame yeah
1: well i'm sure does that require them more maintenance or is it still
2: well it, it it yeah we we keep that at our train shed in our uh corporate headquarters at port clinton okay um and we actually keep that connected uh to what we call house power it always has electric to it because we keep water in it at all times
1: Oh, so it won't and rust. So, yeah,
2: yeah. and, and, and it, that doesn't freeze, and we have yeah. issues with the pipes. And uh, so that can go out whenever the owner, uh, Mr. Marlin, would want it out on the railroad. It's a beautiful piece of preservation, and there are very few cars that are that old that are... That are almost original. Yeah. 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 yeah.
1: yeah. Very, very cool. Um, well, is there anything else that you wanted to share um, with me about, about the, the trains or the fleet? Oh, yeah,
2: yeah. There's uh, the standard cars have about 70 seats, and they were built as early as 1917 for the Delaware, Lackawanna, and Western Railroad, and they were built for commuter service originally in North Jersey uh, between Hoboken, which was the DL&W's main terminal, which is now New Jersey Transit Terminal, okay. and it would go from Hoboken towards North Jersey points all the way towards uh, um, Delaware Water Gap. And these commuter cars were sometimes called the Edison cars because there was an electric and then there was a trailing car that was not electric. These cars were actually electrified at one point mm-hmm. and Thomas Edison was the first person to right. actually drive one of these oh, to run one yeah. of these uh, when they first came out in 1917. Um, because it was one of the first times that uh, electricity was used to power trains. Mm-hmm. and. Uh, They've survived through commuter service into the New Jersey transit era. And in the mid 1980s, Mr. Mueller purchased those. Uh, we currently have nine of them that are used as standard coaches and we're starting to refurbish them. And then the 10th one was Mr. Muller's original private car, which is here in Scoople Haven. Uh, and uh, that one is put in the office car special fleet. And then we also have um, several that were built in the 1930s, 1932 by Bethlehem Steel. Uh, most of them were built for the Reading Railroad. And um, I believe we have seven or eight of those uh, that are still standard coaches. Uh, one of them's here in um, Haven as well. These are primarily the cars that people will ride in when they go to the Lehigh Gorge trains, okay. or if they use standard coach seating on any of our other offerings. And, um, they, uh, have seats that have been updated since, but a lot of people like them because, A, the window's open and shut. Right. And people really obviously enjoy them in the summer. They don't have air conditioning in these cars. Mm-hmm. So, once you get moving, you get a nice breeze from the, Yeah, it's um, not
1: terrible.
2: Breeze, yeah. Certainly from the Weeye Gorge uh back when they used to promote in the 1800s uh shank which is now Jim Thorpe oh, yeah. they used to say take an air bath well <laughs> in this case you know you get an air bath here going into the beautiful Viet gorge but um, so they still have windows that are functional that open and shut and also the seats you can actually push or pull the middle of the seats to face the opposite direction so yeah. there's a lot of versatility if you want to have a family of four seating facing each other Or if you simply don't want to ride backwards, you know, you can just flip the seat and then uh, ride the other way. Um, So we have over 15 of those standard cars and we have three cars that were originally uh, enclosed, but we uh, tore out the sides of the cars. We still have the roof on the top and then we put in the bench in the middle and now it's open on the sides and we consider those our open air cars. And they're very popular up on the Lehigh Gorge trains as well. Uh, the open air car price is a little bit higher than the standard car price because people can actually get up out of their seat and stand up against the railing and the openness of the car and take better pictures and see more around them and of course they're very popular in the summertime as well oh yeah I'm sure they have beautiful murals some of them we painted murals on the top of them the rail diesel cars uh we have murals on the top of them as well it looks like a sky a blue sky with some white clouds and some geese and hawks and different birds Uh um we we have a lot of work done uh with artists uh primarily we use a person named uh uh, john bond and he has his uh bond art at uh kempton uh he's been uh doing murals and painting with us since the 1980s um and we have some other people as well that help us out to make it look as appealing as possible we have a whole painter uh gang of people that will uh Keep painting the interiors and keeping things fresh, but also painting things along the railroad. We take great pride in our wide way to keep it clean. Mm-hmm. And if we see something like graffiti or things that we are graffiti on, that, on yeah. our railroad cars right. or freight cars, yeah. we uh, uh, immediately yeah, I'm sure, have yeah. something painted.
1: I'm sure that's a that's a, a big job to stay on top of.
2: Mm. Yeah, so today we're doing the recording here at uh, Haven station. Uh, the passenger department has its main headquarters here at Uh It's in the beautiful Philadelphia and Reading Stone Station uh, on 12 West Main Street here in Haven, And it was the second station to be in this place. Um, originally, there was a station uh, built by the Philadelphia and Reading in uh, the mid-1800s. And the interesting thing p- about this station, which was built at the turn of the last century, it was finished by 1902, uh, is that if you go into the basement, you can actually see the original footprint. Of, of the, the
1: first Yeah, exactly. First
2: and uh, when we purchased this from the Schuylkill Haven Borough uh, a few years back, they said, hey, let's take you down to the basement. There's actually a part uh, that there's a crawl space in, and it has the dirt, and there's this uh, tree stump. And it looks like the tree was cut down just yesterday. It's basically (laughs) preserved down there for whatever reason. They didn't rip out the tree stump, which that tree was originally next to the original first station. And they just put the uh, crawl space of the new station right over top. Oh, goodness. And uh, when they built this uh, over 100, almost 120 years ago, Uh, The uh, stonework, uh, some of it comes from the original railroads uh, in this location uh, that date back all the way into the 1820s where they were chartered uh, back then as early. Um, uh, There's uh, the Mine Hill Railroad, um, the Little Schuylkill Railroad, which is towards Tamako area that went to Port Clinton. But the lineage of our railroads, which later became the Reading and then Conrail and then the Reading and Northern Railroad, is amazing. It's almost two hundred years old already. Um, some of the stone from Schuylkillhaven was on the original uh Mine Hill Railroad and it was put into the fireplace here. So some of that stone's actually yeah. nearly two hundred years old and been on the railroad for that long. Um, the uh town, the borough of Haven purchased this station from Conrail in nineteen eighty nine and they had the foresight back then to not rip it down unfortunately a lot of municipalities would uh sell it to a privately held company and they didn't have any use for it they destroy it right or they themselves the community would rip it down um we're very lucky to have schuylkill haven here and they made it actually their offices um for the police department one time was here, okay. and all their uh, uh people that dealt with the utilities and uh, the borough manager had his office here. And uh, one day we uh, came in here because we do Schuylkill Haven Borough Days, which is a uh, Saturday in September, very uh, popular day here in Schuylkill Haven. We run trains here. And we were starting to run Santa trains back in 2014, 2015 in the Schuylkill County area, Schuylkill Haven, Minersville, Pottsville, Tamaqua. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to have a card table set up to sell tickets
1: right. outside. <laughs> you know,
2: in September works out fine. Right. But, so we decided to talk to some people here in town that we we coordinate the trips with. And we said, do you have any connections? And they uh, connected us to uh, Scott Graver, who is the borough manager here at School of And we came into the uh, station here and we asked, uh, we don't want to sit outside in the cold. Can we just stay here in the vestibule area and sell mm-hmm. tickets? uh we won't cause any issue here uh we'll put everything back the way it was right. and then uh scott said do you want to buy it <laughs> and we said we'll get right back to you so <laughs> we made a deal with the borough they bought uh what was a bank out on uh, route 61 which is more traveled than here right. on main street downtown and they moved their offices to what was that former bank along schuylkill haven's uh route 61. And then we purchased the station outright, and uh, Port Clinton, our headquarters, was running out of room, and we needed somewhere to put our passenger department. At one time, we had five people in one office. Right, that gets tight, yeah. (laughs) But uh, long story short, we came up here to Schuylkill Haven, and a lot of the bullnosing and Mm -hmm. wainscoting, a lot of that stuff is still original. Oh, yes. And they put smaller offices, but they didn't mess with any of the original uh, parts of the interior. And uh, we easily uh, were able to take out those offices that were built in the nineteen eighties, nineties, for the te- for the to open ship, it back yeah. up again. Yeah, so we opened up most of what it looks like. And again, it's very hard when you preserve things with railroad stations where you have thousands of pictures taken outside of it. any railroad right, station, Right, but not out.
1: usually of the interior. Exactly,
2: because yeah. for whatever reason, people would just, I guess, do their business and stay for a few minutes in the waiting area and then go. Right. We only could find literally one picture from the Philadelphia Redding's uh, photographer back in the 19-teens.
1: Oh, goodness. And we
2: took the picture, and we basically, again, like we did for car three, Mm -hmm. to have that parlor car redone, we just focused everything on the picture. And I'll show you that as well. It's so amazing how we uh, got it to look almost exactly from the light Mm -hmm. fixtures uh, to the way everything's displayed in the waiting area. Um, This was one of the bigger stations on the Reading. It was a mid-sized station, Mm -hmm. I would say, Uh, but it had uh, restrooms. Uh, It actually had uh, a place where, um, call it an infirmary, where if there's someone sick on the railroad, passenger or employee could come here at one point. Okay. Um, This was actually the dispatching office. Uh, The dispatcher basically runs and controls the railroad where they can throw electric switches, you know, 30 miles away. And in this room, which is my office now, at the bay window of mm-hmm. Haven station. Um, the person actually controlled all the switches from Pottsville down through uh, Fort Clinton at one time. And there's actually switches for the Buck Hill Tunnel, which is a huge long tunnel over a mile long uh, that goes, uh, it's between Monahoy City and Barnesville, okay. for people that are familiar with that. And it was such a long tunnel that the steam engines would get all kinds of smoke and cinder. And, oh, yeah. So they had to actually have fans. So they had a fan system and uh, the person here in this room would Mm -hmm. be able to switch that on and off. So uh, it's quite amazing how it over the years served the general public, but then it was uh, regional office here, if you will, for the dispatcher. And um, then it became the towns. And um, we have went to great detail. Uh, We're lucky that there are other stations along the way, along Mm -hmm. the railroad, that are still uh, around. Like, for example, Minersville still has the station. Reading Northern owns it, and we uh, lease it out to Project 113. Uh, Project 113 is a great thing for your listeners to look into. They have a functioning steam locomotive. It's the only steam locomotive in the country that can... Be powered exclusively by anthracite coal. Oh, really? Almost all of our, including our steam engines, are bituminous Mm bed, and that steam engine's up at Minersville, and uh, we run trains uh, quite often out of there. We also have an original station in Jim Thorpe. Carbon County owns that, but that's basically the focal point of where the Lehigh Gorge trains start. That was a beautiful, uh, it is a beautiful station built in 1888 by the Wilson Brothers of Philadelphia. Uh, they also have many different structures in the Philadelphia area, specifically churches and some public buildings that they built in their time. Um, there's also Tamacwa Station was built the same year the original Reading Outer Station was built in 1874. Tamacwa Station is a miracle that it survived. Uh, there's a nonprofit group called Save Our Station, which still owns Tamaqua Station. We own the railroad track uh, against them. We actually redid the platform. We spent tens of thousands of dollars to make a nice functional platform in front of the station. But anyway, save our station, put over a million dollars into the Tamakwa station, where uh, it is lucky that that even exists. Right. And uh, they reintroduced that to the public in the mid 2000s, and now it is uh, housing a restaurant, a beautiful uh, restaurant, the Tamakwa station restaurant, gets rave reviews. And um, some of the people that were involved with Save Our Station when we were starting to uh, renovate School Haven three or four years ago, we went over there and we went to the great detail to get actually actual color paint uh-huh. right. The writing used different variations of green and yellow and some brown. Okay. And we actually went into a very deep corner in the bottom of a closet in a Tamaqua station and we found the paint chip. And it was the original green from the Tamaqua station, and we were able to match as close as possible. Oh, yes. And that's where the green walls come from in the interior of Schuylkill Haven. It's yeah. the original Redding color. And then we matched the browns and the yellows and tans as much as we could as well to make it look Redding Railroad-like right. in one.
1: Right. Very cool. Yeah, the, it's funny. Sometimes the, you'll be working on something, and you'll find, like... As you get layers and layers down, you know the the different colors and things, and or you know a, something that nobody thought to paint, like the closet. Then you find yeah. out what it what, what it really looks like. <laughs> yeah, and then when you get as everybody
2: knows, you know when. You- think okay it's
1: going to be easy oh no yeah yes. yeah there are times um, there, there are but times, yeah but, um, i i i was joking about um that like you, usually i you know it's projects at my house like i'm like oh this will be so easy and then you know it never is it's it never it never goes the way i vision it
0: yes
1: well it sounds like your the railroad is really uh, working hard to preserve not just all of the railroad history, not just the train cars, but but the the buildings that are associated yeah, also, absolutely. which is an important part of the of the train history. Yeah, actually, of the railroad history.
2: Guys, we actually have this book from the Reading Company. We mm-hmm. we get it down to the signs. Oh, We have the same cool. color background yeah. and the same lettering. We have it, for example, our maintenance way department, which does all the maintenance to the railroad mm-hmm. tracks they know when it comes to signs, they need to be 10 feet away from the railroad track and 10 feet high, yes. that's how high the post is. And we have these books, uh, the Reading uh, Railroad. Uh,
1: Standardized everything. Yeah, basically, yeah.
2: this is a book from uh, the 1920s, actually, from all these, uh, from fencing to yes. uh, signs to the way buildings look. Uh, we built, actually, a few places to make look like, back in the days of yore, you yes. know. Uh, Reading Outer Station again we mentioned earlier it's not the original place because we don't own that railroad in downtown Reading that's Norfolk Southern. We do own in Muhlenberg Township however and we were able to buy the uh, property along Route 61. Very few places along Reading area uh, the railroad grade is not the same as the highway grade oh yeah so we had a big issue where you know it's only along the railroad in the Reading area for so much and it goes into basically farmland across the Schuylkill River and we were trying to find for years a place that was close to a main highway and we finally found that at Bellevue and Route 61 so we were able to purchase two different properties there and then uh, there's plenty of free parking for the people that take the trip but we also built a tower there, which is where our new Reading Outer Station is. And we made that look to be similar to a tower that was built for the Pennsylvania Railroad mm-hmm. uh, across the Susquehanna River from Harrisburg. Okay. Uh, that was built in the mid 1800s. And that uh, tower was actually moved to Strasburg Railroad in Strasburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. And it looks exactly like it. We have, again, great staff, contractors, vice presidents that. Uh, We'll get the detail, we'll get uh, the job out and bid it out, and then we'll actually build these buildings. Um, We built that outer station in less than a year. It's about three years, four years old now. Um, We're looking uh, to uh, extend and build other places. Uh, For example, our signal department for the railroad signals Mm -hmm. is in West Arizona. The original station is where their offices are, but we built a pole building next to it to make it look similar to what buildings would back then. You know for their signal equipment we're looking to build more buildings in the passenger department as well yeah, yeah.
1: very very yeah I, I think that definitely there there's a um, it the the um, the Oh, uh, I can't think of what word I want to use. The the drive to preserve has to come from the leadership, and then and yeah. then it, it because if that's not a priority, it doesn't it's it doesn't get done. Because oftentimes, and I'm sure you know this, it doesn't make sense financially. It's it's a labor of love. It, it is, yeah.
2: um, and that's basically the passenger department. Right. The passenger department at the Reading Northern Railroad. It has. Uh, it's very labor intensive,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and it makes very little money. We do make money in the passenger department which we're one of very few uh tourist railroads in the country that does make money right but again you have to it's labor of love as the owner of the railroad has said now he's always been uh interested in trains and uh he started his uh, uh career off as a public school teacher and then he got into precious metals okay. and uh he uh, became owner of what was called the f shop in downtown Hamburg, and then he originally uh, got the uh, line from Temple to South Hamburg in 1983. So he's always had this, he loves coins, and right. you know, and, and history when it comes to that, mm-hmm. and with the railroad background and wanting to preserve things and share it with the rest of right. the general public. Yeah. It's quite the feat, and you don't see too many railroads that do no, that. yeah,
1: no, I, I, it's very impressive. I'm, I'm glad that I got to come up here, and, um, and, and see everything and, and meet you. Um, tell, uh, tell me what are, what, uh, what trends or challenges do you see in, in railroads or, or train preservation?
2: Sure, I, again, we touched a little bit about it. When yeah. you want to do it right, you want to make it look the way it was. Uh, for people not only to reminisce, but to learn something as well, be right. educated. But again, sometimes it's very hard to get this to be exactly, you know, when you only have one picture to go by, you don't have anyone that has that memory anymore. Right. It's long since gone. Yeah. Um, that can be different, uh, difficult. When it comes to the railroad end of the actual railroad cars, a lot of these cars aren't up for sale. A lot of these cars are either so far gone that they're graffitied up and all the windows are smashed out and they're right. in the weeds somewhere, or they have ownership that the owners don't want to sell the cars. Mm-hmm. They have an attachment to them. Right. It's hard to find what you're looking for and buy it. Then, mm-hmm. when you do, sometimes it's halfway across the country and then you have to pay to get it either by rail uh, or yeah. ship the by truck which is even more expensive. Oh my goodness
1: I can't imagine.
2: Um, Sometimes it's over the border in Canada as well so it's very hard to get a good price on it including the shipping right to get it to the railroad here in Reading you know and to be able to uh, fix it. Um, So the facilities are actually easier to replicate if we're building something and make it look like one from right. 175 years ago the railroad cars not so much right
1: that makes sense yeah. yeah that makes sense to me well is there anything that you'd like to promote uh to our listeners this will go live at the end of january so i don't know if you have any special trains over the winter or is that mostly
2: um the lehigh gorge trains as it looks now will probably start running in mid-february okay. um lgsry.com is the website for the lehigh gorge trains out of jim thorpe into the lehigh gorge state park Uh, That's the majority of our passenger business, but like I mentioned, we do run trains all over the railroad system, and rbmnrr-passenger.com is the website for the uh, Reading Northern side. And we have a Reading Northern passenger Facebook page and a Lehigh Gorge Scenic Railway Facebook page, which we update quite frequently. Sometimes we do trips that are designed for the general public, like uh, young families, tourists, locals, right. but also I definitely uh, keep checking our uh, websites and our Facebook because we do have these charter trains by like National Rail Historic Society groups. Oh, very cool. Definitely. And a lot of times, again, these are chartered trips. Right. And there's uh, people that are into the preservation history of the railroads in these mm-hmm. NRHS groups. And a lot of times we'll charter trains, so we'll go places that we don't usually take passenger yeah. trains and do different types of things. Oh, we yeah. do what's called like rare mileage trips sometimes where uh, people around the country will come just to ride a portion of our railroad, which we usually don't offer
1: oh, yeah. to the public.
2: Yeah. So we do uh, special trips like that as well.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's very, very good to, to know and to yeah, we'll make sure that we have the websites and the Facebook pages on our site too, so people if they're listening can go and and find it easy.
2: That's great. Thank so, you, Danielle. Thank you. It's it's really uh we are happy that uh, a group is interested in the preservation yes. uh, part of the railroad, and we uh, certainly welcome people to Schuylkill Haven. Um, we have people here every day of the week, eight thirty to five p.m. Okay. And then uh, Port Clayton is the corporate headquarters people are welcome to come on down and uh, visit at the main uh, area during uh, Monday through Friday and work uh, hours and they can actually get visitors tags as well we're very not just for buying a ticket but we're also very friendly to the general public
1: okay very good thank you very much you're
2: welcome